Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. So this morning, we are continuing the series, Moving Mountains. Who has the nifty sweater? Right? It's so great, and it's so comfy. I love it. We are moving mountains, and it's a reminder that uh, the Lord has called us to do some things that are greater um, than ourselves, right? So we're talking about faith in this series and the kind of faith that moves mountains. Now, who in the room thought, move a mountain? I'd be glad if I could just move this anthill that's in front of me. Anybody else? I think you're asking for a bit much. (laughs) But no, I think, I honestly believe, as I've been praying for this, that God is calling us to move mountains. He's calling us to go a little bit deeper. He's calling us to go a little bit higher than we um, are used to. I think at some long, sometime along the way, or some along the way, we get a little scared, right? We stop asking for the impossible, and we start kind of asking the things that are semi-possible, right? We stop going for God. Will you? Um, save my friend the, the deep you know of that person I mean I, I can pray for this co-worker because I know they're kind of like one foot in the door right I pray for that one but the one that's over there like all the way on the other side you go I'm not even going to pray for them because they're a lost cause right we stop actually praying for the things that are heavy that are impossible we stop praying for the child that's going wayward we stop praying for healing we see someone sick and we go well you better go see a good good doctor Right? And it's not to say that we aren't, are not to do that. Absolutely go see a good doctor. But was our first resort to pray? Or was our first resort to go and send them somewhere and, you know, go talk to a specialist? I'm going to call us out a little bit this morning because I think we can get scared along the way. And I really feel like God is calling us to go deeper and to move those mountains in prayer, in Him. Right? So what if... The thing that God wants to do in your life, he's just waiting for you to be bold. What if the thing that he wants to do in your life, he's just waiting for you to actually ask. Not think about it, not ponder, but actually in prayer ask. What if God is looking for people who are willing to touch the hem of his garment? That are willing to put in everything they got on the table. And go for it. So we've been working off of Matthew 17. And specifically with the focus on verse 20, right? That says, um, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about what kind of faith you know what kind of faith he's talking about here and what are the barriers to this faith what are the barriers to the kind of faith that moves mountains because Jesus tells us all we need is a mustard seed but sometimes honestly it's hard to muster up a seed of a a grain a sand (laughs) right it's hard to muster up like a a little piece of sand like it's just sometimes it's just hard and the obvious barrier I think the obvious barrier to faith is doubt right? We think about it, well, I must be doubting. And sure, doubt is one barrier, right? I mean, we know that doubt does play. We have questions. 
And we have questions because we don't understand everything. We have questions because A and B does not equal AB. It equals XZ in God's math, right? Like in God's like science, you're like, what is going on that does not add up? And so, yes, we have questions. And if you have doubts, I want to put you at ease and say that that is normal. It's normal to have doubts. The disciples doubted. I mean, John the Baptist, the one who announced to everyone that Jesus was the Messiah. Here he comes, right? He announced it. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was telling everybody. Later on, if you look, if you read in the Gospels, he sends a disciple to ask, are you really the one or should we be looking for someone else? He doubted. He had questions. It wasn't, the math wasn't adding up. It wasn't working the way he thought it was going to, so he doubted. So if you are, you know, at once in a while going, what am I doing? What is going on? If you have those same questions, it's okay, and you're in good company. But the Lord does teach us, right? In James 1.6, he says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. The one who doubts will be tossed around. So the, the problem is not the fact that you have questions. The problem is when you stay in doubt and then stop, to, stop asking and stop walking. Right? So when you, when you are asking God, go in belief. Take that leap of faith. Right? And ask with belief, believing that he can do it even when you don't understand and even when you have the questions. But so doubt is an obvious one, and we know that. It's normal to have questions. But I want to talk about three other things today, three other barriers that I think are pretty substantial in this walk um, of faith and in this prayer of moving mountains and living a life that moves mountains. The first barrier or reason that our faith withers that I've considered this week was that oftentimes our faith is tethered to feelings and not anchored in Jesus. So faith is not having the belief, the, the feeling of belief. That's not faith. You know the warm and fuzzies was like, I believe in that. I believe in you. Like faith is not that. Faith is not that warm and fuzzy feeling. And for all intents and purposes, we are a generation that places a great deal on feelings. We emphasize feelings. We are in love with feelings. Right? We're enthralled. I mean, we, we want everything to feel good, and we want to be happy, and we repel boredom. Like, I don't want to be, I mean, have you ever talked to a teenager about them being bored? It's like they're dying. Right? We repel boredom, and we cringe at the thought of being uncomfortable. Right? I hate being uncomfortable. It's not comfortable. Right? We do, and I'll prove it to you. I'll prove how this is so. When was the last time you took 10 minutes and you did not pick up your phone, did not listen to music, did not turn on the TV, but just stood in silence for 10 minutes? Can you remember the last time you did that? And you weren't kind of fidgeting around going, what do I do? This is boring. Oh, my God, a whole minute just went. Have you tried? We are addicted to feeling something right getting something silence and solitude sound like curse words right now look we quit marriages because we're not feeling happy we quit jobs because we're not feeling passionate or appreciated 
or comfortable anymore. We binge Netflix because we're bored. We binge shopping because we're anxious. We binge alcohol because we're sad, right? We have all these mechanisms that we've put into place because feelings are so important to us. We're willing to compromise valuable things like honor, like peace, like connection, like loyalty, like intimacy, like mental clarity. Like we're willing to compromise these things for the next feeling, for the next high of a feeling. We compromise so much because of what we want to feel. And the problem is this. God's not a feeling. God's a person. Right? And he will not subject himself to the thrill-seeking desires that we have. He will not cater to our search for highs. He is constant, and he calls us into a relationship, not a one-night stand. See, our faith withers when it, is, when it has to submit to feelings. When our faith is tethered to feelings, it begins to die. Right? When faith isn't anchored in Jesus, it is blown by the wind and tossed by the storm. And the first real challenge we face, because we will face them, we begin to question whether this religion thing is even for us. Is it for me? Maybe it's not for me. I don't feel it anymore. And here's a kicker. Faith is much more like a muscle than anything else. Faith grows. It stretches. It is worked on. You have to work it. You know, you have to build it. You have to develop it. I mean, I don't know when was the last time you went to the gym, but not anybody can do a muscle-up immediately. You have to start with, like, a five press, right? You do a little press, and then you go, okay, I'm going to go a little heavier. And then you try to pull yourself up, and it's really hard to pull yourself up, right, to get maybe to your chin. And then eventually you get to a muscle-up, which is, like, your whole body, right, up on the bar. And faith is kind of like that. It's like if you start playing football, you don't start in major league. You start with the peewee, right? If you maybe are a musician, you don't start playing Chopin or Chopin, as I like to call them in my house. You start playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, right? It, you start, there is a growth process. There is a development process to anything, and the same is true for faith. The, the truth is that God won't ask you to take a leap the first week you're in relationship with him. He won't ask you that. What he will say is like, hey, take a little hop here with me. Take a little, you know, I'll be on the other side of that. And then he'll ask you for something a little deeper. He'll say, hey, take this jump, right? Take this jump with me. And then you'll see that he's faithful in that jump. And then you go, oh, okay, he was there. And then he'll say, okay, now I want you to take a leap. And you will be out of breath. You will be like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know if I could do this, right? He'll, take, he'll ask you to take that leap, and it'll be the scariest thing you ever, done, ever did. But then he will be on the other side of that. And then you, your faith will grow, and your faith will be stronger. And you'll be willing, you will be able to tether more, to, to withstand more storms. You will be able to withstand more trials. As you take steps and he reveals his faithfulness, your faith is strengthened. This walk with Jesus gets better and better as you develop a deeper connection. When you allow your faith to be tethered to your feelings, though, 
you're at the mercy of which side of the bed you woke up on that morning. Did I wake up feeling faith-filled? Eh, maybe not, you know. But when faith is anchored in Jesus, in who you have experienced, it's not blind faith. Faith is not blind. Faith is grown. Faith is developed. So, but when you're anchored in Jesus and you have experienced who God is and who he, um, who, who have experienced who God is and then what his words and what his promises are, then you have the kind of faith that moves mountains. You do actually start with little molehills. You can remain in him while you don't understand what is happening when you are anchored to Jesus. The fact is, you know him. Now, the second barrier that I was thinking about this week that, you know, reasons why our faith withers. Second one is discouragement and disappointment. This is when God didn't do it your way. Have you ever wanted something so bad that, like, you, you would see the signs? All the signs point to it's happening. I mean, like you look at a car, the license plate says what you wanted it to say. And like everywhere you go, you're just reminded of that thing. It's going to happen. I am certain of it. I know God is in this. You wanted it so bad. And then it didn't. And you look around going, what just happened? Right? Never been there? We've been there many times. I got to tell you, I'm uh, very emotive and, you know, I'm, like doing things and, and running off the gate. I don't do anything walking. You can ask my husband. I don't like anything slow. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. So about, I don't know, two years into being into Stanford, we, uh, we lived at this apartment on Hope Street. And the landlords called us and said that they, are, they were going to sell the place. So we needed to look for another place. Now, we had a three-and-a-half-year-old, and we had babies, brand-new babies. I'm like, yeah, I need to move? Holy Lord, help me. So we talked to somebody who was at the church that was a realtor at the time, and he was helping us look for apartments, and we looked for apartments all over city. I mean, we must have looked at 30. I'm not kidding. It was so many apartments, and we looked and looked and looked. And honestly, our budget was kind of low. We didn't have a lot. And we had to stay within that price range and try to fit now three kids plus us, right? So we're looking, and we couldn't find. We finally found this apartment. Anybody knows where... Um, Chesterfield condominiums, that little condominiums by High Ridge. Yeah. So we found an apartment there, which we were going to make work. I mean, it wasn't, it was a two-bedroom. It was tiny, but we're like, we're going to make this work, and it's in our price range, but at least it's a good little neighborhood. It's safe. It's closed, right? All good things. So then we found out that the guy who owned the apartment was a believer. God's in it. He's a believer. He's going to see it. He's going to see that we need this. We're going to tell him our story. We wrote him a letter. You know how you do try to get around the system so you wrote him a letter and we told him all about us and how we needed this apartment it's gonna work great so we sent him the letter we put the application in and we pray lord we know you're in this he never said he was we know you're in this <laughs> you're gonna make it work for us you know so we put in the application we wait to hear back and we wait and we wait and we wait and then the dreaded email comes in he says no denied <laughs> we're like i was freaking out where are we going god i have three kids you gave me these kids you gotta give me a place to live <laughs> you gotta give me somewhere to live i was freaking out inside because we had to be out didn't know where to go I'm like oh god what are we gonna do and i cried 
my kids and I, I cried. I'm like, God, where are you? We need somewhere to live. So we're sitting in this right, pity zone. And all of a sudden, we, have, we remember, we're like, you know what? Maybe we should call this other realtor friend that we have because she's been here in town forever. She knows everybody, literally everybody. So let's call her. So we call her. Um, and I'll tell you, sometimes, I'll get to the end of the story, okay? We call her. Um, sometimes we get disappointed at God because he did not deliver on what we wanted. We feel led down by God. Have you ever felt led down by God? Like, God, what's going on? As if God has the obligation to give us everything we want or to make every journey smooth sail for us. We just want a smooth sail through life. I don't know why we think that once you get into a relationship with God, that's how it's going to be. But we think that, right? We think, oh, now I'm with Jesus. He knows all things. I'm just going to glide around. Everything's going to be good. When in fact, if you read scriptures, it's the opposite. He tells us you will have hardships. He tells us you will have trials. You will even be persecuted. He tells us this. He never said, I mean, in John 16, he says it. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Another word for trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, yes, there is hope in Jesus. Because he will give us peace and he's overcome the world. But he doesn't say, I will bypass the storm. He never said that. We have hope. We have peace in the Lord. But we must learn that in trials, we must learn that closed doors are the Lord's guidance and provision too. We must learn that closed doors are answers to prayers too. Right? A closed door is deliverance. Many times, a closed door is mercy. It's the Lord's mercy looking at you and going, baby, this is not good for you. No. Any parent in the room or any aunt, uncle knows that you tell your child no because you know that whatever it is that they are trying to do is no bueno. Right? A closed door is favor at work. And for those of us that chose God's way in our life, we have a promise he tells us in Proverbs 16, 9, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. See, for those of us who chose God to lead our path, we have to know that that means that sometimes we need to hear no. N-O, no. No, to the not, to the no, no, no. Right? We either determine that we have faith that God establishes us, or we will continue to circle the mountain looking for the bulldozer in which we can, you know, hit it at that mountain and crack it down our way. And we know, though, we know that we can finagle our way. We can manipulate. We can do things to get that mountain broken down or moved. But at the end, at the end of that, the difference is the work of a craftsman or the work of an amateur. And the Lord is a craftsman. He can make your life look the way it's, it ought to look, the right way, without all the mistakes, without all the heartache, without all the pain. Having faith in God means we don't attach our hearts or fix our eyes on other things or anyone else. We don't put our trust in outcomes. 
We don't finagle. We don't manipulate our way through. We don't place our hope in the stock market, in our jobs, and Bitcoin. I know, I know. In my job, in my relatives, or whatever else. We trust the God who knows, who sees tomorrow, even when we don't. We relinquish control of our lives and make room for the unexpected. Let me ask you this morning, when was the last time you made room for the unexpected? For those things that you don't know, that God wants to move, but you're like, I'm just going to trust. Have you done that? Have you done that lately and just go, you know what, God? Have it your way. Do whatever you want. Let my life be whatever you want it to be. I'm going to finish my story. We did call the other realtor. And that same night, she's like, I have a place. He has not listed it yet. He's looking for a family. He real, he, the owner of this place um, raised his kids here, and he wanted another family to have kids and me raised here as well. So we went to the house, and guess what? Their budget was right. It was four bedrooms. It was a yard. It was all the room we needed, and then some. We were willing to compromise on Chesterfield. God had better for us. He has better for you. See, the beauty about God is that whenever you're willing to surrender your disappointment, surrender your expectations, he always outdoes us. He never fails to outdo whatever it is that we were expecting. It's always better with him. So much better. And reason number three, the third faith barrier that I realized, reason why our faith withers is that we grow weary in doing good. Just grow weary. See, it says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So weary means tired, fatigued, exhausted. Does that sound like any of you? Like if you think about yourself. Do you feel weary? Do you feel tired? Are you tri tired of believing? Tr tired of praying for the same thing? Tired of trying? Tired of trying to act a certain way when you're really not that? Right? Trying so hard to be, trying so hard to wait. Oh, I hate waiting. Anybody else? Try so hard, you get so weird because I just don't want to wait any longer. Just want it now. Want it my way. Right? I have to tell you, I've been tempted to grow weary. Like JD said, next week is eight years that we've been here at Connect Community. And for eight years, we have been a mobile church. Now, I don't know if you know what mobile church means, but mobile means we move on out of here all the time. <laughs> Nothing stays, right? Everything gets packed up. Everything gets put away. Everything has to be brought back out and set up. Everything, every chair, every table, everything. And, uh, you know, we've prayed for a building. We've believed for a building. We've cried for a building. We've uh, declared. We've done the marches, you know, seven-time marches. If you've been in church forever, you know, all that walls. <laughs> my building you know we've done all of it we've received prophetic words 
We've looked in every direction. And I've been tempted, you know, at times to stop believing, to stop looking, to just throw in the towel. Um, the interesting thing about weariness is that it's not just what you do, right? But it's also sometimes what you don't do that demonstrates that you're weary. When you stop praying, when you stop believing, when you stop looking, when you stop going the extra, right? And you just get, you become a little complacent and indifferent, right? It's a sign of weariness too. And whenever we're working on our own strength and trying with our own powers to do something or to be something, it's often when weariness sets in too because we are limited and finite beings, right? And so we do get tired. And so whenever we try to just do things on our own power, it's often when we're like, okay, I'm just tired now. But when we have, when we have an internal conflict, a dysphoria, we become fatigued. We're at odds with ourselves. Weariness can settle in when we have unmet expectations. When our expectations don't align with the outcome, we get weary. You know? But I want to point out a couple of things to you. There's two passages in Scripture that would speak to this for us, that we need to realize God's way. First is 2 Peter 3.9. It says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. That's one out. And then the other passage is Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, here's the two things I want to point out as it pertains to this. God does not operate in our timeline. A day for us is not a day for him. And he doesn't think like we think. So we think things need to be done a certain way, we think things need to happen before we're 40. I'm going to 50 now. <laughs> 60. Or we think the Lord needs to do it before the end of the year. The Lord needs to do it now. Right? We think in our ways, but the Lord's ways are not, and his timeline is not are the same. And God is, has, is way more concerned with who than he is with how or what. He's doing something in you, and the process matters more to him than the outcome. He is doing something in you. He is doing something through you. And he is doing something in others that are attached to this thing that you have been asking. So oftentimes we want things done now, and we're in a hurry for, things, for God to do things now in our way. But he's working in us. And if we would get it now, we're not ready for it. Or if we would get it now, someone else might not be ready for it. Right? So we have to understand and be able to step outside of the way we see things and know that God sees things differently. And his ways are higher and better than ours. So what do you do then? What do you do when you grow weary? What do you do when you're just so tired? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to live in the present moment and not for the outcome. I want to encourage you to look at the sunrises and the sunsets. 
I want to encourage you to laugh, to cry, to feel those tears. So it's okay to be tired and say, I'm just tired and I need a little break right now. It's okay to, you know what, step out of your current mindset and your current condition. Girl, grab tea or coffee with somebody and say, I just need a moment to connect. And leave that thing aside for a minute. It's okay to step outside of all that pressure. Just live present as, as what it is right now. Right now, the Lord is here. Today is guaranteed. Today, he has provided. Today, he has made a way for you. Live in the moment. Live in the now. Go for a walk with Jesus. Breathe in his presence and his silence right here, right now, in his moment. If we don't want to grow weary or disappointed or be defined by our feelings, and we want instead our faith to grow, we must control our thinking patterns and our emotional states. We have to control those things. We have to bring it back in. Sometimes we get so fixated on what we want, what we need, what we want, what we need, and it's like this block that's in front of your face. And have you ever had that? Like it's so close, this is all you see. But there's a whole other world happening out there. And sometimes you just have to do one of these. You know, a little step back and a, a little break to breathe and watch what God is doing right now. I want to encourage you, there is one secret to living a life in which our faith would grow. There was one pivotal secret, and I'm going to share it with you this morning as I close. Our faith can be strengthened by one daily habit. Now, it won't be instant. This is not Instagram and instant fix, right? This is not a filter on it, and now you look pretty. It's not. But it will grow. It will grow your faith, and it will change how things happen in your life. And that one thing is you meditate, memorize, internalize the word of God. You meditate, you memorize, and you internalize. You make that part of who you are. It's the word of God in us that changes everything. See, the, uh, Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. A lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Think about that. As you think about what that means in your life, he is a lamp for my feet. There's light, lighting the path. Making that darkness less dark. Making the unknown less scary. That light. As you meditate, as you memorize, as you internalize passages like this, the Lord does something in you. Scripture is able to renew your mind and anchor your faith. See, Psalm 119, 154 says, Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Think about what that means. You're going about your day and everything is kind of just looking kind of foggy. Or whatever it is, and you're like, this is not working. Lord, plead my cause. Can you plead my cause? Can you redeem me right now? Right? When these scriptures start to become alive and active in you, it changes the way you go about your life. It changes in how you look at things. You can look upon, you're never alone. See, I've learned something. 
that sometimes we want God to come in and fix our situation, but the value really is in learning to walk with Jesus through the situation. It is so amazing when these words become alive in you and you're walking in the storm, but the storm doesn't hit you because the word of God just does something. It does something inside. But it has to be there in the first place for it to do something. The words of God will change the toxic thoughts. They will change your outlook. They will change your perspective. The words of God will literally reshape your brain. I mean, scientifically proven, we can chat about this if you want after in the lobby because it takes too long to explain. But literally, it rewires your brain connections and you become a different person from the inside out. The Bible transforms you the way you think and respond in situations. See, Psalm 139, 23, 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous ways in me and lead me in a way of everlasting. Do you know what that is? God, get in here. Get in here. Why am I not feeling the peace? Why am I feeling so lost? Why am I feeling so out of sync? Get inside me, and the Lord will do that. He will come into your heart. He will come into your mind, and he'll begin to show you. He'll search it. He'll sift through it and go, hey, hey, this is not out of alignment with who I made you to be. This right here doesn't belong. Get it out. This is what the Lord does. This is what his work in us is. It's him pointing things out that came in that weren't meant to be there. And he says, hey, get it out because it doesn't belong in who I designed you to be. But you have to take a step and say, God, search me. Search my ways. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I lost? Why am I hurting? Why am I out of sync? Why do I misstep so much? Search me. The word of God will do that. The word of the Lord is powerful. It is true. It is the true standard for living. Nobody has ever regretted living the word of God. Nobody. The word of the Lord is convicting, never condemning. It doesn't come to condemn you for what you've done. It comes to convict you so that you're better. It forgives you and leads you um, to everlasting life. It brings peace. It brings clarity. And it brings light to every area of your life. See, there's a passage in Isaiah 26.3 that says, You keep him in perfect peace, those whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. What a promise. You want peace? Keep your mind in God. You want to see true peace that you can go through and walk through anything and, and weather any storm? Get your life and your mind anchored in God. I want to invite you today to make the word of the Lord part of your daily ritual, much like brushing your teeth. And you better brush your teeth every day. <laughs> much like brushing your teeth. Place passages around your house, on the mirror, on the exit, the door, you know, the refrigerator, because you know you visit that refrigerator. Right? Place passages in places where you need to see it so that you can internalize that word, so you can memorize it, so it can come spring up out of you when you need it. 
Because there will be moments where you're in the stress and you're under whatever it is that you're doing in daily and you need that word and you need God to show up. Well, you know what? If it's stored up in you, it will rise when you need it. Let it change your brain connections. Let it change who you are. And in turn, you will begin to experience the faith that moves mountains. You will begin to experience the Lord growing you in your life. And you will begin to see miracles all around you. You receive it this morning? Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information on Connect Community, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.